All right, and we are live once again. I am your host, Eric. And uh, this evening, I'm going to do a little bit of drive-by of the news, but in order to help me to do that, I need the uh, need the whiskey. I need the whiskey because it's been a hell of a week already. Thanksgiving is tomorrow, so happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I want you to eat all of the pie for me because I'm not going to have any pie tomorrow. Um, those that have been paying attention to my TikTok, I made uh, apple and cherry pie egg rolls and they're always a big hit at the holidays so tomorrow i'm gonna bring uh bring myself a smile my kids and everything over to my mom's house and it's gonna be fun uh, let's get the club soda going there we go all right let's uh let's get into it uh i've noticed uh one big story that was uh, coming out, and that is uh, violent protests erupt at Apple's main iPhone plant in China. This is coming uh, from Bloomberg via Yahoo News, it looks like. Uh, yep, got some uh, people hanging out outside. Doesn't look violent in the picture there, but uh, hundreds of workers at Apple Inc.'s main iPhone making plant in China clashed with security personnel as tensions boiled over after almost a month under Tough restrictions intended to quash a COVID outbreak. Um, at this point, is there a COVID outbreak? I just got to have to ask the question. <laughs> uh, workers at the Foxconn Technology Group plant streamed out of the dormitories. That's right. Over there in China, you sleep where you work. You have to stay in a dormitory. Yeah, now that now that we're talking about letting sinks in and all every, everything, let that sink in. Uh, streamed out of the dormitories in early hours Wednesday, jostling and pushing past the white-clad security guards, they vastly outnumbered, according to the video sent by a witness to portions of the protest. Several white-suited people pummeled a person lying on the ground with sticks in another clip. Onlookers yelled, fight, fight, as throngs of people forced their way past the barricades. At one point, several surrounded an occupied police car and began rocking the vehicle while screaming incoherently. Uh, I bet you they were screaming something, and you could definitely tell what they were screaming, but they're going to say incoherently here. So <laughs> I guess they're just kind of reporting on the uh, on the story itself. But uh, yeah, I bet you they were screaming some stuff. You're just saying incoherently because you don't want what they were screaming to get out there. Uh, protests started overnight over unpaid wages and fears of spreading infection, according to the witness, asking to remain anonymous for fears of repercussions. Uh, several workers were injured and anti-riot police arrived on the scene Wednesday to restore order, the person added. In one video, irate workers surrounded a silent downcast manager in a conference room to voice grievances and question their COVID test results. It wasn't clear when meeting took place. I'm really scared about this place. We could all be COVID positive now, a male worker said. Uh, you are sending us to death, another person said. Oh, COVID hysteria knows no no boundaries. It's all over, all over the planet. Uh, the Zhengzhou campus was operating normally as of Wednesday evening, and a Foxconn spokesperson said the violence had erupted after a portion of recently arrived employees. Oh, it's the FNGs. They showed up and then trouble started, right? Uh, raised complaints about work subsidies, bonuses, or payments on top of usual wages. Foxconn said in a wait, 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 wait. This is a communist paradise. Right? This is supposed to be a communist utopia. 
you know, and then, you know, according to their needs and all that kind of stuff, bonus payments. <laughs> uh, Foxconn said in a statement, but the company stressed that it handles all such compensation in a strict accordance with its contractual obligations. Contracts? In a communist system? What? It's getting pretty wild over there. Uh, with regards to violence, oh, see my thing zipped up real quick. Hold on. There we go. With regards to violence, we are continuing to communicate with workers and the government to avoid a recurrence. The company said without elaborating, of course. So that's one thing that they probably got from the West. Yeah, we're, we're going to say something without elaborating what we mean by it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the rare instances of violence at the plant in the central city of Zhengzhou reflects a buildup of tension since the lockdown began in October. Many among the vast workforce of more than 200,000 at iPhone City, that's nice, have been plunged into isolation, forced to resi uh, subsist on Spartan meals and scrounge for medication. Uh, many eventually fled the plant on foot last month. Foxconn and the local... Wait, wait, wait. They fled the plant on foot. They have to live in the dormitories at the plant. Does this sound like voluntary employment to you? Doesn't really sound all that voluntary to me. Uh, let's see. Under uh, Foxconn and the local government appeared to have gotten the situation under control in recent weeks, promising unusually high wages to attract new staff and promising better working... Better working conditions. Uh, Wednesday morning's protests suggest that there is no longer the case. It underscores how Xi Jinping, uh, COVID zero policy, which is stupid, by the way. You're never going to get rid of a, a of a respiratory virus. It's the stupidest thing ever. I hate people, and I hate people that keep doing this stupid crap. And it's the worst. It's just the worst. You're never going to get rid of a respiratory virus. It's always going to be around. It's the dumbest thing of all time. I can't believe it is still going on. It's the worst thing ever. Uh, let's see. Uh, which relies on swift lockdowns to stamp out the disease. Again, doesn't work. We've got two years of data that shows that doesn't work. Lockdowns don't work. Uh, social distancing don't work. Masks don't work. Uh, your stupid uh, experimental gene therapies didn't fucking work. None of it works. It's not going to lead to zero cases of COVID. It's the dumbest shit of all time. And, and people just double down on it and keep going. Uh, stamp out the disease wherever it pops up. It's increasingly weighing on the economy and throwing swaths of the global supply chain into disarray. Uh, maybe don't have all of your shit manufactured in China. I understand. The labor is super cheap there because, you know, they have to live at the companies that they work for. On Chinese overtime where you work 18 hours and you only get paid for 10 of it. Right? Is that how that works? But it's super cheap, y'all. I can hear Al Gore now talking to Larry King. It's a good deal, Larry. Sure it is. Wherever it pops up, and increasingly, uh, yeah, I already read that. Beijing uh, recently issued new directives ordering officials to minimize disruption and use more targeted COVID controls. This story is not about COVID. <laughs> it's not about COVID. This is about a worker strike. Uh, because they are have to live at the factory that they work at. And this is also the same place that had to put suicide nets up around the building to keep the workers from killing themselves. Uh, I've also seen some reports that people were actually chained to their workstation so that they couldn't leave. So this is a... 
this is crazy. And they're coming this under the guise of, oh, well, these people, these poor people could die of COVID because they're forced to work while they have COVID. Uh, but surging outbreaks in major cities have forced local authorities to reach strict curbs again. It, no, it hasn't forced them to do anything. They want to. They want to. Because they're authoritarians. And they have to give uh, daily exercise of their power. That's what's going on there. Uh, it's really a mess, said Barry Naughton. That's not a Chinese name at all. A professor at the University of California, San Diego, who probably has Chinese spies in his department. Uh, we'll just <laughs> uh, if anybody's over there reporting on Chinese stuff, uh, that guy's definitely got some some people who uh, who who use WeChat uh, to report home uh, who specialize in Chinese economics. They've created a situation where the local decision makers are under intolerable pressure. Oh, oh, the authoritarians are stressed. This this is just intolerable. Good. Good. They should be stressed because it's stupid. It's an exercise in futility. Also known as insanity it needs to stop, even for the Chinese. Uh, Mr. Technocrat's dream system that he wants, the Chinese style technocracy. Uh, the Chinese currency is underperforming. It's other Asian effects peers on reports of protests at Foxconn's plants in Zhengzhou that supplies Apple products. Stephen Inns, a manager partner at SPI Asset Management, wrote in a note. However, a broader, more optimistic interpretation is that China is hitting the limits of COVID zero and the authorities' efforts to loosen restrictions will continue. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> Violence has erupted sporadically across China over COVID restrictions. Really? Really? I got another story here that's going to that's gonna talk about that. Really? The violence? Uh, the only reason why I think we were spared all of that happening over here in the United States was because there were, there were places to go. You could go to Florida and get away from it. Notice how, like, the Joe Rogans and the other rich people in California said, nah, you know what, I'm moving to Austin, Texas. You notice how some of these other like states that didn't lock down got a, all of a sudden an upsurge and people moving to them. Uh, can't tell you how many times I've seen New Mexico plates over here in Louisiana. It's like, uh, you know what? We're not stopping in Texas. We're just going to keep driving and, f and find a place. But uh, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting out there. Uh, in May, hundreds of workers clashed with security personnel at Quanta Computers Incorporated factory in Shanghai after they were barred for months from contact with the outside world. While protests have emerged in lockdown areas of Guangdong, the southern manufacturing hub. So you were barred contact with the outside world? That means no letters, no, no calls. What does this remind you of? Uh, Foxconn situation serves up another reminder of the dangers of Apple of relying on vast production machines centered in China at a time of unpredictable policy and uncertain trade re relations. There is a solution to this. It's called a freed market. And no, capitalism isn't to blame for this. This is all cronyism right here. But, uh, yeah, don't rely on one country to provide all of your shit. 
It should be spread around a little bit. China also produces a lot of the medications that we use here in this country. That should be a scary thought to you. Should be, but for a lot of you, it's not, right? Bring that in just a little bit more. We'll get back to it. Uh, Zhengzhou is the site of Apple's most critical production, churning out an estimated four in five of its latest generation handsets in the vast majority of the highest end iPhone 14 Pro units. Apple warned this month that shipments of the newest premium iPhones will be lower than previously expected. Just ahead of the peak holiday season shopping. Uh, there you go. Four in five. That is a large percentage of their production comes out of that factory. And it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't. The sprawling compound has operated for weeks within closed loop or self-contained bubble that limits contact with the outside prison closed loop <laughs> prison self-contained bubble uh, that is keeping some of the production going. Apple and Foxconn said they have been working to replace staff who've left or res resume and product and resume not resume <laughs> full production as soon as possible. The protest took place just hours after Henan party chief uh, Liu, Liu, Liu Yangsheng uh, visited the area where Foxconn plants were located and held a video chat with select employees. He asked managers to aid staff and ensure warm, relaxed, and stable living and working. You cannot honestly say that with a straight face, knowing what these people go through. You can't honestly have just read that previous paragraph. And then say, oh, yeah, they must be, you know, uh, well cared for and comfortable in, in, their, in their servitude. <laughs> uh, oh, yes, I, it was a heavy pour of whiskey, obviously. Lou's visit uh, underscored an unusual amount of effort that the provincial officials had devoted to recent weeks towards the nation's biggest private sector employer from reportedly helping in recruitment and exhorting retirees to work from Fox. <laughs> All right. So there's a word, right? Exhorting, right? So what, what are we going to do? We are going to search for this word, right? So that we know the definition of this word to incite by argument or advice urge strongly there you go that's the definition of that word so um yeah so if you're retired from this place they are strongly urging you to come back and i bet strongly urge is probably an understatement and i keep zipping down to the to the bottom there we go not in the professor said beijing is putting intense pressure on local officials to realize contradictory goals the tension is that Beijing wants both COVID zero and full economic growth. He said, it's kind of impossible. No fucking shit. You can't get to zero fucking COVID. It's not fucking possible. And here we are, but we want economic growth at the same time. You can't fucking do it stupidest thing of all time and continuing to do it is just insane yeah 
I'll bet there's violence. To a people who have been conditioned since the Great Leap Forward to accept government rule in everything, in every aspect of their personal lives. And they're finally coming around and saying, hey, you know what? Fuck you, buddy. We would have never saw this during the 80s and 90s in China where people are just openly rioting against security people in China. That The Tiananmen Square thing where you got the, uh, the tank man standing in front of the row of tanks, you know, that was like a small blip. It was like a small blip. We're, we're seeing stuff now over there that's... I mean, deep down, it's like I support these people. And we've, I've talked before with uh, somebody who lives over there in Hong Kong when the, when the students were protesting and he was, uh, he was at the riot. You know, he had to go back. There was the uh, Hong Kong special report that I did a few years ago in 2019 when I was living in Dallas before I got wild-type COVID <laughs> and was out of work for a week because I was sick as a dog. As I called it back then, the flu aids, because I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what I have. So yeah, you can go back and listen to that Hong Kong report. It's pretty good. And that was a guy that was on the ground. There you go. Uh, We're going to go to another story that kind of dovetails with this one. And, uh, you know, this, it's just, it's all part of the same thing. It's all part of the same thing. We, we see the threads are, are starting to get tied together here. So Australians are losing faith in the government. This from Vice. I I know. I know. It's Vice. I, I understand. But this is the story. Uh, let's see. John Buckley. So uh, federal government will have to deal with falling faith in its ability to deliver for voters as more Australians grow stressed about the economy. Oh, why are they stressed about the economy? John Buckley of Vice. Why are they stressed about it? Let's find out. In the face of worsening inflation and heightened fears of recession... Australians are losing faith in their government's ability to do the right thing for them. Okay, Australia. Uh, I've always had a special place in my heart for Australians because I just viewed them as like the Texans of the South Pacific for a long time. You know, they they had cowboys, you know, over there. Uh, They were populated by an entire prison population. Much like over here in the United States. Uh, you know, it was like the first people that came over here were like criminals and everything. So yeah, always had a special place in my heart for all, for for the Aussies. But the the government is never going to do the right thing for you or anyone you know, because governments don't operate that way. And uh, again, glad to see that the Aussies are starting to say, "Hey, you know what? No, you're not doing the right thing." Yep. So here you go. Uh, To do the right thing for them as various economic factors impact the nation's overall social cohesion and drive scores of the nation into poverty. Into poverty, you say? I mean, you shut down the economy over there over a cold. And this was another nation that had COVID zero, by the way. Can't have a single case of it anywhere. As if you could stamp out a virus. Stupid. All right. At the height of the pandemic in 2020, Collective belief that the nation's federal leaders would do the right thing for the Australian people. Uh, Stupid. I I hope the Australians have learned from their mistake there. Uh, Was riding high when voters were surveyed by the Scanlon Foundation 
a research organization founded in 2001 with a focus on social cohesion at the time. As many as 56% of them said yes. <laughs> Calling these numbers into question, by the way. I'm <laughs> just going to put that out there. I might not trust their survey. Uh, we'll get into surveys and what that actually means later. Uh, two years later and six months into the reign of the new labor government, the sentiment, uh, the sentiment has slipped. According to the Foundation's 2022 Mapping Social Cohesion Report. Oh, guess what, folks? Look at that. They included a link. What happens when he goes to the link? Oh, it brings up a PDF. This is awesome. Mapping Social Cohesion by Dr. James O'Donnell. There you go. Where's the forward? So right there, I mean, if you click into the link, it'll bring you right to their study. Executive summary. What do we got? Uh, let's see. Social cohesion. I'll highlight it since you can see it. Uh, in Australia, increased during the pandemic, but is now declining as we readjust to life after pandemic. We are at a crucial tipping point where we can solidify and strengthen social cohesion or allow it to further weaken. Okay. So there you go. I might have to give this one a read later. But yeah, there you go. Uh, pretty slick little uh, PDF they got going here. We got charts, graphs, some pictures. Yeah, there you go. I'll have to give that one a read a little bit later on. Yeah. All right. So back to the story. Uh, before my ADHD took over and said, oh, look, there's a link, Eric. Click on the link. Uh, which complies with responses of a mammoth 5,757 survey respondents to trust in government has fallen to 41% just above pre-pandemic levels. The question attracted significantly fewer optimistic responses than were recorded in 2021 when 44% of those surveyed viewed the government in a positive light. Uh, even still, that number remains far higher than the dismal responses recorded in 2018 when the former Prime Minister Scott Morrison had just ousted his predecessor Malcolm Turnbull in a challenge for a coalition leadership. Crazy, crazy. I wonder why. I wonder why. Uh, let's see. Faith in the state governments over the same period was quite high, particularly when it came to handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Since then, that view has become less common. The survey found, but with the majority of respondents across the states still think that their leaders are handling what remains of the crisis at least fairly well. Fairly well. And you're talking about people going into poverty and recession. But they handled it, you know, fairly well. You know, you know. Uh, in fact, the report found that uh, support for the state leaders was so strong that it often extended to beyond party lines. So bipartisanship. <laughs> That's what they were called in this country, right? Uh, let's see. I am getting uh, notifications from steam that my nephew is online i don't need to see that right now <laughs> sorry about that folks uh for instance two-thirds of labor voters across new south wales and tasmania each led by a liberal national party governments said that they believe their state and territory leaders were handled the pandemic very or quite well so far new south wales uh i recall stories uh talking about uh vax mandates and people riding in their streets too. I could be wrong about that. Go check it. Go check it. Don't take my word for it. Go check it yourself. Uh, for coalition voters living in states led by labor governments, a similar portion 
said their labor state and territory leaders had responded to the pandemic at least quite well. Uh, no, <laughs> no, they did not. They also had COVID zero, uh, vax mandates, social distancing, lockdowns, the whole nine yards. Uh, in fact, you couldn't even go from one of the Australian states to another without permission. That's right. There, there was a chick on uh, TikTok that I used to follow. She uh, lived in uh, Queensland. And uh, I remember she put out a TikTok about her trying to go to another state for a dentist appointment because someone said they were going to give her free dental care. And uh, she couldn't get through. And she had a tear-soaked minute or so talking about she was tired of it. So no, I don't think they handled it well at all. So the same can't be said for voter perceptions in Canberra, though, according to reports, uh, Australian National University lecturer James O'Donnell, there are widely held doubts about the way Australia's federal politicians conduct the nation's business in Canberra. More than 75% of the population believe the government leaders abuse their power at least some of the time. So if 75% of you, that's three quarters of the population, believes that you've abused your power, at least some of the time, that should tell you something. While nearly a quarter believe abuse of power happens most or all of the time. So that's 25% of the population believes, yeah, these politicians are only in it for himself. They are trying to steal everything that's not nailed down. The sentiment will no doubt prove a challenge for Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and his cabinet who are in a frenzy to curb rising energy prices and get inflation under control in the face of mounting pressure from the opposition to stick to an election promise that warmed voters with the prospect of lower power bills under Labor's watch. Um, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Spending fiat Australian dollar dues is not going to help. Uh, so far, that hasn't materialized. I, I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> it isn't likely to for some time. For some time, let's try ever. Beyond that promise, the Almazese governor is uh, relying on long game policy levers to weather the storm. It refuses to offer households doing it in a tough any sort of cost of living relief that could be spent at the shops like the pandemic payments so many Australians grew accustomed to over the last two years. Your universal basic fucking income did not fucking work. Shocker. While also staving off pressure to intervene in the energy market. Yes, that more intervention is what is exactly what is needed there, right? It's not mishandled enough. It needs more government manglement to get in there. Uh, whereas coal and gas producers operating in Australia are making a bomb. Is that profits? Is that, is that, is that Aussie for profits? <laughs> and the Scanlon Foundation's uh, social cohesion report released on Wednesday offers some of the earliest broad-based reactions to the these pressures. Dr. O'Donnell said that his... This report saw the highest rate of the economic concern since the question was first asked. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Economic issues included those related to unemployment, jobs, poverty, and the deficit were cited by 39% of the people in this year's survey as the most important problem. 
Sounds like 39% of the people kind of get it. They kind of get it. Now the question to those 39% of Australians that were polled, uh, do you know what is responsible for that? That's the, that's the question. Uh, as the financial support that came with the pandemic tapered off, more people started to report living with financial stress or living in poverty, the report found. Driven to poverty because of stupid COVID zero. Right there. It's not the new drink at the convenience store where it's got no sugar and no calories, right? Mm. Uh, the proportion of people who describe themselves as either poor or struggling to pay their bills rose to 10%, while those who say they were just getting along increased significantly to 37%. I take quibble with these terms. I have to quibble with these terms. Uh, what is the pay range for these people that are, quote, struggling to pay their bills or just getting along? What's their yearly salary look like? What's their inputs and outputs look like? You know, that's just somebody's kind of guessing at their at their situation, I guess. You know, someone who's making a hundred thousand Australian dollar dues a year might be struggling to pay their bills. Yeah. <laughs> so they, I, they don't really provide any uh, numbers. I'll have to go back and click on that link to look at that PDF study that I showed you earlier, right? Uh, economic inequalities exacerbated by the current economic climate appear to be given rise to social inequalities that in turn drag down social cohesion in Australia. Uh, there are always going to be social inequalities. Okay. And this is something that the central planners and the progressives and the uh, socialist out there want to ensure equal outcome. They don't want to focus on the equality of opportunity. It's like the opportunity should be there for everybody, right? But they get this and they want to ensure equal outcome and that's never going to work. So get back to it. He said that estimates increased number of those who said they were just getting along or struggling has reduced the overall sense of belonging and worth. <laughs> Again, there's like no numbers here. Uh, in Australia, the sense of social inclusion and justice. Oh, yay. Social justice, which is not a thing. And the extent to which that they participate in Australia. Three key metrics the foundation uses to grade the state of social cohesion. Um, interesting. To say the least. Interesting to say the least. But yeah, the, the COVID zero policy, not going to work. It hasn't worked. We've got two years of data showing that it doesn't work, at least here in the United States. Uh, pretty sure it's a similar story in China and in Australia and in European countries where, where it was all tried. It doesn't work. We have data to show that it doesn't work. But yet these authoritarian dum-dums want to keep trying it and keep trying it and keep trying it to force this down our throats because they want the Great Reset. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory. 
Is it? They wrote a book. They have a podcast. You know, there's a whole thing over there in Switzerland called the World Economic Forum, and that's where they talk about it all the fucking time. Build back better for someone else. <clears throat> Got Klaus Schwab showing up in a kimono. Uh, yes, you will eat the bugs, and you will live in the pods, and you will own nothing, and you will be happy. Mm, no. It's all the same, all the same shit. This, you know, this kind of goes back to like Maury Strong, uh, the technocracy society. We even have a Mr. Technocrat that just bought Twitter. And I just see people just lining up. Oh, he tweeted this about Trump. Yeah, so Trump is back on Twitter, by the way. He hasn't tweeted anything, uh, at least that I've seen. And I know Elon was uh, posting some memes, you know, the uh, the, the slutty little girl at the uh, with the uh, the priest. You know, with the uh, with the Twitter thing right on her butt, and the priest like praying. They, you know, it said Donald Trump and Twitter. I I don't think Donald Trump can tweet because of his little deal with True Social. By the way, don't go to True Social. It's talk shit. It's, didn't like it. Didn't like it. I spent uh, maybe a week trying it out. You know, trying. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, I kind of like that feature. This feature needs work. It was like all of the interactions on it were all BoomerCon. MAGA types and ugh, I get enough of that in my personal life. I've got so many family members that are like that. It's like, I don't want to see that online. I prefer my little band of misfits over there on the, uh, the sewer that has a dumpster fire in it called Twitter. So that's just where I like to end up, but, uh, let's get into some other stuff. Hmm. What's next? We, we, touched, we touched on a story like this before, uh, but this just kind of goes with the same thing. COVID zero is going to become carbon zero, right? It's, it's got to. Uh, here we go from the daily. <laughs> Andrew Shemmings uh, from the San Francisco gate. Uh, California looks to ban all gas and diesel truck fleets. Boy, it's stupid. It's like demonstrated to be stupid, but leave it to California. We're going to keep doing it because <laughs> we can't get fucking enough. Uh, controversial new proposal to ban diesel powered trucks in California has sparked a divisive, ooh, ooh, divisive debate among the trucking industry, the state and environmentalists. Environmentalists. Uh, the California Air Resources Board. Uh, it, you want to talk about a government agency that needs to cease to exist like yesterday? That's the California Air Resources Board. Has laid out an ambitious plan to eventually force all diesel truck fleets off the road with varying timelines. <laughs> uh, I, all right, we're going we're gonna to do a search. Who is on this board? Were they elected... Were they elected? Uh, okay. Yeah, it's a .gov. Shocker. It's a .gov. Uh, California wildfires. Oh, geez. Uh, let's see. CARB. Ugh. Ugh. I hate when the acronym actually spells something out. Ugh. It's charged with protecting a public from harmful effects of air pollution. Oh, I bet you air pollution has gone up since this place is even, since this thing is even organization of the board. Uh, let's see. 
consists of 16 members. 12 are appointed by the governor, which means they're not fucking elected <laughs> and confirmed by the state Senate. The 12 members include six who serve on local air districts. Oh, Jesus. Four experts in the fields. Oh, experts. Shape air quality rules. Two public members and one chair who serves as the only full-time member. The government can choose any of the board members to serve as the chair. Oh, good. <laughs> it's the governor's fault. Uh, the other four include uh, two who represent environmental justice. Oh, oh, communities. One appointed by the Senate and the other by the Assembly. Two non-voting members appointed for legislative oversight. What's that oversight look like? Hey, how's that California Air Reforces Board or CARB doing over there? I'll bet you it's all thumbs up. No, these guys are great. We need to give them more funding, I'm sure. In July 2018, the board established staggered six-year terms for voting members pursuant to AB 197. Uh, the board is supported by a diverse professional, oh, diverse professional staff of scientists, engineers, economists, lawyers, and policymakers. Oh, policymakers. Think tanks are collectively made up of the world's most respected environments. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this place needs to be abolished like yesterday. This It does not need to be a thing. Oh, man. God, that's just, ugh. Ugh. I feel dirty just reading that. Uh, <laughs> has laid out an ambitious plan. Uh, yeah, that's the, we read that one already. This includes mandating that all new trucks operating around busy railways and ports be zero emission vehicles. By 2024, in two years. In two years, phasing out all diesel trucks from those areas by 2035. And eventually taking every diesel truck and bus fleet off California roads by 2045, where feasible. Oh, that little phrase. That little phrase, where feasible. I bet you a lot of bribery happens in those two words right there. Uh, let's see the proposed advanced clean fleets regulation first targets the busiest trucking areas in the state around warehouses, seaports and railways. You know, the thing that kind of makes everything work, you know, the groceries on your shelf at the grocery store. Hey, it's almost Christmas time. This also includes your kids toys. Holy shit. <laughs> Many Californians' neighborhoods, especially black and brown. Oh. Low-income and vulnerable communities live, work, play, attend schools adjacent to the ports, rail yards, distribution centers, and freight corridors, and experience the heaviest truck traffic, the board wrote. Adding that this pollution causes health risks to those communities. Why, they'll start suffering myocarditis and heart attacks and die suddenly. I'm sure. Uh, at a recent hearing on the issue, Sacramento, over 150 public commenters voiced divisive opinions on the proposal. Many representing the trucking and construction industry said that there simply isn't enough charging uh, capability or grid capacity in the state to move fleets over to zero emission vehicles so quickly. The shift away from internal combustion engines in big rigs has largely moved to battery-powered vehicles through hydrogen fuel cell technology is also being developed. 
Uh, if you listen to No Agenda, uh, they've been talking about this hydrogen stuff for a while. Um, even over here in Louisiana, occasionally I will run across a vehicle that is CNG, which is compressed uh, natural gas. Uh, I have yet to find one that's got a hydrogen fuel cell in it. Natural gas actually makes a little more sense, but you know, here, here we are. Uh, the infrastructure cannot be established in the timeline given, said Mike Tunnell of the American Trucking Associations. Fleets will have to deploy trucks that cannot do the same job as their current trucks. N no shit. That's the idea. I think people need to get the understanding that the people that are in charge of CARB and uh, the, the government uh, that puts them in place, uh, that's the idea. They want it crashing to a halt. So they can build back better and give you the Green New Deal. They're going to shove it down your fucking throat. That's the idea. It's not, oh, we're going to be uh, great stewards of the environment and we're just going to get rid of all of these pesky oil-burning, gas-guzzling vehicles and we're just going to replace them with battery-powered vehicles. And it'll just happen just like that. No. The idea is to cause you pain. And guess what? When you can't get the stuff on your shelf, things are going to go up in price. Because if you can't get goods to an area... Mm, the goods that are there are going to get very expensive very quickly, right? So there you go. Uh, other pointed to logistical problems in charging electric vehicles, especially in California, where they've got energy problems. Because PG&E likes to cause wildfires out there with their shitty infrastructure and not allowing to actually produce any kind of electricity. It's the stupidest thing ever. And they're still doing it. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, this will damage. This will do damage to us. Uh, no shit. That's what they want. We don't really understand how to charge these vehicles, said construction company CEO uh, Jamie Angus. Those pieces of equipment go home with those men every day, so they'll need to be charged from home. How do you compensate the person for that? Uh, you don't. You grind the economy to the halt. You blame Republicans, and then you offer a solution that you've had waiting in the wings, which is, uh, you're just going to have to starve. That's what happens. Uh, meanwhile, environmentalists, including representative from Sierra Club, oh, Sierra Club, there you are, forcing people out of their homes, buying up property, holding it for five years, and then turning around and selling it to developers. So that you can get rich off of it, Sierra Club. Don't think we're not on to you. Urge that the timeline be expedited to rid the roads of internal combustion engines sooner rather than later. Uh, go fuck yourself. It's what we got. It's what we have to work with. Sure, we can phase those things out, but it's going to be a long time until we do so, until we find something that will do the job just as good for about the same cost. So 
If someone's going to tell you, oh, these battery-powered things are going to be cheaper. No, they're not. You've got to strip mine everywhere to look for lithium and cobalt for the batteries. It's just as damaging to the environment. You dum-dums. But that's what you want. Currently, fewer than 2,000 medium and heavy-duty vehicles in California are zero emission. I don't know about you. Uh, California is rather large. And there is a city in the southern part of that state, which has got about 18 million people in it. 2,000 trucks is not even a drop in the bucket. It's not even a drop in the ocean as far as transportation needs that you have in that in the fucking state. <laughs> the vast majority of them are buses, report Cal Matters. Yeah, because a lot of people ride the fucking bus, especially in Los Angeles where it's basically eight different cities <laughs> with 18 million people. It takes forever to get from one side of the city to the other. I'm talking hours. To go 10 or 15 miles. Hours. I've driven in it before. It's not fun. California is the forefront of the shift away from fossil fuels to reduce the devastating effects of climate change. Oh, there it is. Climate change. Uh, see Bob Murphy when you want to talk about handling climate change. It would actually just be cheaper and easier to do nothing and then deal with the aftermath. But there is one thing that actually handles most of the climate on this planet, and it's a gigantic ball of burning plasma at the center of our solar system called the sun. It's the primary driver of climate on this planet, but they won't tell you about that. No, they need to scare you into thinking that you, you are damaging the entire Earth. Sure, you can damage an area. I would not go so far as to say that Los Angeles has a healthy environment to live in. Or San Diego, or Sacramento, or San Francisco. You get a lot of humans living in a very small area. It's going to go bad. But come out here to the middle, to the middle of the country where people are a little bit more spaced out. Guess what? The environment's cleaner. It's amazing how that happens. Maybe we're not supposed to live in cities. So there you go. That's that story. Yeah, so uh, California is going to double down on its mental retardation. Uh, can't help it, apparently. They can't help themselves. So, yeah, that uh, carb <laughs> needs to go away. It needs to go away yesterday. Uh, it's probably on the order. It's a carbon zero. It, it, every time that you exhale as a person, you exhale carbon. You are the carbon they are trying to reduce. Just, just remember that. Another drink of whiskey. We're going to go into uh, one last story here. And this one's going to talk about surveys and studies and everything else. And this is, this is going to get you to kind of understand what we are dealing with when uh, a lot of us were making fun of the science for the last two years. Uh, you have to understand what you're up against. Uh, so this is one such story. And yes, it has a link. I love stories that have links. Uh, what is this? I was reading it, and now I'm at the bottom. Okay, so the Daily Mail. Uh, UK rag. 
<laughs> All right, so intermittent fasting. So to give everybody an idea of what intermittent fasting is, is where you're not completely fasting for the whole day. Uh, you're going to go a long time. Uh, I've done intermittent fasting myself. Uh, basically, I stop eating at 7 p.m. and I don't eat anything until noon the next day or stop eating at six and then don't eat anything until noon the next day for an 18 hour fast. It's intermittent. It's not all the time, right? So this study, <laughs> uh, favorite diet followed by Courtney Kardashian and Mark Wahlberg may raise your risk of an early death by 30% study suggests. Now you're going to read that headline. You're going to say, Oh, 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 well, that's, well, that's crazy. That's crazy. Study tracked 24,000 Americans over 40 from across the U.S. for nearly 15 years. All right, so numbers sound good. The length of time sounds good. You got a particular age group over the age of 40. Okay, great. Compared to three, one meal a day linked to 30% raised risk of all-cause death. Skipping breakfast was linked to a higher chance of dying from heart disease. Skipping breakfast is what they say, but missing lunch or dinner appeared to raise the risk of deaths from any cause. Results remained even, even if the people exercised, ate healthily, and rarely smoked. Okay, keep that last one in mind. So here we go, the study, uh, for the story, I mean. Uh, intermittent fasting, one of the most popular and promoted diet techniques, may actually raise the risk of an early death. Okay, uh, we already know that this first sentence is an outright lie. How do we know this? Your ancestors did not have access to food on a daily basis. Your caveman ancestors usually spent a day or two just trying to hunt and kill breakfast. And here we are. Millions of years later, talking to you through a computer monitor, uh, listening on your phone, or wherever you're finding my voice or lovely face at this point, right? So this is how you already know that this first sentence is complete 100% bullshit, right? Human beings have been on this planet for millions of years in one form or another, and a lot of that time was searching for breakfast. And a lot of times, because it's called hunting and not killing, didn't get to eat for large portions of the day. So you can't say, oh, early death. Okay. A study of 24,000 Americans over 40 found those who ate one meal per day, that's OMAD, uh, were 30% more likely to die from any cause in 15 years than those who ate three. Uh, intermittent fasting, which means eating with a strict time window or skipping meals entirely, became one of the highest diet tools in the early 2010s. Uh, A-list celebrities such as Kourtney Kardashian, Mark Wahlberg, Hugh Jackman, and Jennifer Anderson say it helps them lose weight or detox their bodies. Uh, the whole detox thing, whenever someone is talking to you that this thing or that thing is going to detox you, guard your wallet because you're about to get stolen from. Uh, your body detoxes on a daily basis. That's why you have a liver. That's why you have kidneys. 
the toxins uh, floating around in your body uh, would be a bad thing for you. So no, that whenever I hear detox, it <clears throat> drives me up the wall. Or seeing a product labeled keto certified, it's, it's not. There's no there's no organization out there that's certifying anything. Uh, okay. So anyways, ironically, one of the main benefits cited by followers of the diet is longevity. It has previously been linked to a lower risk of multiple diseases. Well, if you have lower risk of multiple diseases longevity kind of comes with it right yeah so mouse once again skip down all the way to the bottom uh latest study uh skipping breakfast was linked to a higher risk of dying from heart disease while missing lunch or breakfast appeared to raise the chance of all-cause mortality uh the results remained even if people exercised ate healthily rarely smoke or drank alcohol the researchers claim they say fasters usually end up consuming a relatively large amount of food in one go, which over time may damage the body's cells. Okay. All right. So we're going to see exactly how they got to this number here. Uh, the, team ca uh, the team caution is still too early to say definitively that fasting played a role in the early deaths as they can rule out other lifestyle and genetic factors. Uh, there's a reason why it's too early to tell. Uh, so we got to skip through the fucking daily mail, stupid bullshit. And even using the brave browser, it doesn't stop them from putting their stupid bullshit up all over the place. Give me the story. If you want to put your other stories on the side, do that. Don't put it in the fucking middle. And especially if you're looking at this on like a work break, how am I going to explain that? What you looking at Eric? I was reading a story about fasting. Why is she in her underwear? I don't know. It's Europe. Uh, uh, what is that? One of the Kardashians? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Why that picture? <laughs> stupid. Stupid. I fucking I, I hate the Daily Mail so much. Such a rag. Oh, it's just terrible. All right. Last study, uh, researched by the University of Tennessee. Go Vols, right? Uh, found out that three meals per day were the sweet spot for a longer life. Really? But the research found that eating them too close together was also linked to an increase of risk of early death. All right. So if you want to read the rest of this story, go right ahead. It's right there in the Daily Mail. Uh, again, I, I don't care about Mark Wahlberg and his weird third nipple. Okay. Really don't care. So they link to this study right here. Journal of Ac uh, Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Uh, so let's see materials and methods. Okay. One thing you have to understand, these people were not sequestered. The 24,000 Americans over the age of 40 were not sequestered, meaning they weren't allowed to leave the research facility, right? This didn't happen. Their meals were not prepared for them so that they knew exactly what they were eating at what times of the day they were eating. Uh, there is no control group. So this is not what is called a clinical study. This is an epidemiological study where they handed them a survey for them to fill out and complete at their leisure and send it back to them. 
Uh, let's see. For analysis included, 27,759 adult participants age 40 years or older who had to complete information on meal frequency, skipping and intervals, and had linked mortality information, including underlying cause of death after further exclusion of 534 women who were currently pregnant or breastfeeding, 3,136 participants with an implausible total energy intake of more than 600 or less than 500, uh, less than 5,000 calories a day, and 78 participants who reported no meal consumption. 24,011 participants were left in the final analysis. Uh, why? Because people fucking lie through their teeth on these surveys. Because there's a human condition to be accepted by the group. And so for a lot of these epidemiological studies, they fill out what they think the person is looking for and not an accurate accounting of what they actually did. The only way to get an accurate accounting of what they actually did is to sequester 24,000 people, study them for 15 years in a research facility where you are closely monitoring what they eat, what time of the day they're eating, have a control group that is going to go hog wild, whatever they want in the cafeteria is free for them to eat. You cannot do this with an epidemiological study. It's impossible. Epidemiological studies are interesting because they provide a little bit of anecdotal evidence, right? They're interesting to look at what correlations can be drawn. This is completely just without any kind of basis to it. In all surveys, a trained dietary interviewer used standardized protocol to administer a 24-hour recall of foods. 24-hour recall. Tell me what you had to eat one day. Tell me what you had to eat yesterday. Everything. Everything that went into your mouth. If you work at a desk and you have access to snacks... Were you consciously going over to the little pile of almonds and you kept track of how many almonds you stuffed in your face? Sorry, just realized that wasn't uh, sharing this page. So yeah, that's the, that's the highlighted thing right there. Standardized protocol to administer 24-hour recall of foods and beverages. One in-person dietary recall was collected in the 1999 to 2000 and 2001 to 2002 surveys for later six surveys in the 2003 to 2014. A second recall was collected via telephone, via telephone, <laughs> three to 10 days after the mobile exam center visit. Tell me what you had 10 days ago to eat exactly. These studies are fucking worthless when it comes to this. But here is the mainstream media of England, the Daily Mail, and they're trying to tell you you're gonna die. You have a 30% more likelihood of chance of dying if you're skipping your breakfast. Now yeah, there's something to be said if you were gonna skip breakfast and then have a huge 
huge fucking lunch and a huge fucking dinner. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. Maybe you shouldn't do that either. So $5 L, my buddy Link. I don't remember my past, my past last meal. Exactly. So trying to fill out a survey can't be done. So all I going to leave you with on that one is just whenever you see like oh, studies suggest this and studies suggest that get down and actually look at the study. Nine times out of 10, they're quoting some kind of epidemiological study that it, it's worthless. And I'll tell you the reason why you're never really going to find clinical studies about this because clinical studies are fucking expensive. You're going to pay 24,000 people to sit there for 15 years and not work while being sequestered in a lab. And then actually like monitoring every little thing that they're doing. It's too fucking expensive. No one's going to pay for it. So they rely on these questionnaires and surveys to be done. That's why you can't trust the science. You, you can't. And even in, in actual studies where the scientific method is used, there's a replication crisis. You can't even replicate what one scientist did. Well, say, oh, you know, I found this out using the scientific method. Great. We're going to duplicate your experiment exactly and see if we come up with similar results. And in that replication, it's not happening. is a big problem and our entire society runs around it because the soccer moms out there see stupid bullshit stories like this. They get shared around their dumb little Facebook groups. And the next thing you know, they're talking about it at the dinner table. Like they know something Dunning Kruger in full effect. Well, I know about this cause I read a few paragraphs on the mail <laughs> on the daily mail dot UK. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Hey, look at that. I made it over an hour just by myself. Just vamping into the void by myself. Uh, so big announcement for the show. Uh, I'm going to take it easy on the show for a little bit. Uh, I'm going to do every other week going forward. So I need to do a better job with uh, show prep so that I'm not doing it live on the air. Uh, I want to start getting uh, clips and everything to kind of play off of. And so that I, I just, I need extra time to do this. Uh, Cause remember it's just me. That's it. <laughs> you know, until I can get my now 14 year old son on, on board to help me out with stuff. Uh, you know, <laughs> generational thing. He's going to take over the show when I die. No, uh, <laughs> But yeah, I'm just going to move it to instead of doing it every week, doing it every other week. And we'll see how that goes and see if I can improve the quality of the show a little bit for you. But uh, yeah, so background implies this is fine. It's all fine. <laughs> but uh, anyways, guys, take it easy. And uh, I will come at you not next week, uh, but the week after that. And we'll go forward from there. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. So have a happy Thanksgiving. I want you to eat all of the pie, eat everything you can, and then jump back on the horse the next day. So with that, I am out. See ya.